0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes language and discussions of graphic material that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13.
1: In 2013, an undercover journalist named Wolfram Koenig infiltrated one of the 12 tribes communities in Bavaria, Germany.
2: Over the course of two days, Kunig captured video of six different 12 Tribes members beating children with sticks.
1: The Bavarian authorities, who previously did not have enough evidence to intervene, quickly organized a raid. They took 40 children from the German community into custody.
2: Just two years later, in 2015, the French Twelve Tribes community was closed down after another police raid took four children into custody.
1: Even today, child abuse allegations continue to follow the cult's communities. But what is it about the cult's teachings that encourages this behavior? Why are authorities unable to take more proactive steps against the Twelve Tribes? And how does the cult continue to maintain its operations over 40 years after its founding? Hi, I'm Greg Polson.
2: And I'm Vanessa Richardson.
1: And this is Cults. Today we're going to take a deep dive into the 12 tribes cult, also known as Vine Christian Community, the Northeast Kingdom Community Church, and the messianic communities. Despite the accusations of child abuse in multiple countries, the cult is still in operation and controls an array of successful businesses and restaurants.
2: Followers believe their simple communal lifestyle will allow them to live like the original 12 tribes of Israel and bring about the return of Jesus. They believe that other Christian denominations are controlled by Satan and they are the only true Christians. Their belief system is rife with racist and homophobic sentiments. They also espouse beating their children in order to get them to conform to the group.
1: If you want to listen to any previous episodes of Cults, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com.
2: And don't forget to subscribe while you're there, because a new episode comes out every Tuesday. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, and on Twitter, at Parcast Network. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening.
1: The Twelve Tribes was founded in Chattanooga, Tennessee, by Elbert Sprigs in 1972. The cult runs many successful businesses and restaurants, yet lower-level members are expected to adhere to austere lifestyles.
2: In part one, we examined how Spriggs grew his small fellowship of American teenagers seeking religious guidance into a group that encompassed over 3,000 people across as many as 50 countries, including France, Germany, Australia, and the UK.
1: We scrutinized how Spriggs encouraged members to save their children's souls by beating them and breaking their wills. And we investigated instances of child abuse that began to surface in the 1970s and early 1980s.
2: In part two, we'll examine the attempts of American and European governments to intervene and rescue children from the cult. We'll also investigate how the 12 tribes shrugged off these allegations of child abuse and how it manages to continue on to this day.
1: On the morning of June 22, 1984, Attorney Gene Swanko was awakened by the sound of police pounding on the doors of the Twelve Tribes' community house, in which he'd been sleeping.
2: Swanko, a Vermont public defender, had been assigned to defend second-in-command Eddie Wiseman against a charge of assault.
1: The charge against Wiseman alleged that he had beaten a 13-year-old member of the tribe for seven hours. Swanko believed Wiseman was being charged as part of the state's political agenda against the much-maligned community.
2: Swanko visited the community often to help represent Wiseman, claiming to want to learn more about their practices. She and Wiseman became close, and she frequently stayed overnight at the community.
1: On June 21st of 1984, Swanko spent the night at the commune. And on June 22nd, The state of Vermont sent in 90 state troopers and 50 social workers into the compound. The governor's press secretary stated that the raid occurred, quote, after two years of effort by the state to get the parents to identify and report abuse and neglect, end quote.
2: The police entered 20 homes that were occupied by 12 tribes members they took 112 children into custody and put them on a Greyhound bus headed to the Orleans District Courthouse in Newport, Vermont. Medical personnel were on hand to begin examining the children for signs of abuse.
1: Prosecutors requested a 72-hour detention of the children in order to complete their investigation. But as family after family were brought before the court, State District Judge Frank Mahady denied the prosecution's requests.
2: The judge argued that the warrant that allowed the original raid that morning was too broad, that the state lacked the necessary evidence to separate the children from their parents in the first place.
1: By the end of the day, all of the children were returned to the 12 tribes before they could be examined for signs of physical abuse.
2: This was a milestone day for the 12 tribes. Spriggs believed that this was evidence of God's intervention on their behalf. Spriggs and his followers decided to commemorate the anniversary of the raid every June 22nd, likening it to the exodus of the Israelites as described in the Old Testament. In
1: 1985, the state of Vermont dismissed its assault case against Spriggs' second-in-command, Eddie Wiseman. He had allegedly abused a child, beating her for seven hours. But the case was thrown out for, quote, lack of a speedy trial, end quote.
2: Around this time, Swanko, Wiseman's attorney who witnessed the police raid the year before, left her home and her partner of eight years and officially joined the 12 tribes at Island Pond in Vermont.
1: Over the next few years, from the mid to late 1980s, the 12 tribes continued to expand. Most Island Pond residents reported tolerating the tribe's presence, They even came to rely on many of Spriggs' businesses.
2: But Spriggs' followers did not fare as well elsewhere. In Clarks Harbor, Nova Scotia, people began throwing bricks through the windows of buildings owned by the 12 tribes and refusing service to its
1: members. Shua Jones, a woman who had been raised in the cult during this time and later left, reported that she and the other children raised in the cult were never taught the critical thinking skills that would allow them to challenge the 12 tribes doctrine. Instead, the cult's youth were groomed for the professions they were expected to eventually perform for the tribe's benefit.
2: We've seen instances of this in many episodes of cults, where leaders utilize members and eventually the initial members' children for their own financial well-being.
1: Shua also said their education was often put on hold when she and the other children were needed to work in one of the cult's many businesses or farms. This
2: is another common tactic we've seen in cults. Children are not given a proper education or skills that will allow them to thrive in the workforce. This leaves them unable to function in society and utterly dependent on the cult for survival.
1: And with all the members contributing their labor and finances to the 12 tribes, Sprigg's cult began to grow. The cult spread to Australia, South America, Spain, Germany, the UK, and elsewhere. Each individual community strove to be self-sufficient, so most were founded in rural areas with access to farmland.
2: The communities would grow produce, use what they needed for themselves and their businesses, and sell the rest at local markets. The 12 tribes community in Brazil, for example, specializes in yerba mate, a kind of tea that it distributes to restaurants and tea suppliers around the
1: world. But for most communities, restaurants and bakeries were a natural next step. Since they already had access to ingredients and the members worked for free, These restaurants became profit-generating machines for Spriggs.
2: The communities also expanded into cottage industries, likely based on the trades of the people they recruited. These could include all natural body products, handmade clothing and furniture, and general contracting.
1: And if the 12 tribes community could find a distributor, members could utilize the free labor from tribes' children to scale up their manufacturing.
2: During this time, Spriggs was in France, reportedly living outside of his commune with a woman who was both not a member of his church and not his wife. But according to an article in New England Monthly, those facts didn't seem to bother his congregants in Island Pond, Vermont.
1: In fact, around this time, the cult celebrated one of its major victories, Kirsten Nielsen. One of the twins, who culty programmer Ted Patrick had taken from the cult in 1979, came back to the Island Pond tribe. She quickly became the commune's celebrity. She had seen the outside world, resisted it, and returned to the 12 tribes. After her stint in Island Pond, Kirsten was then transferred to the French and German communities.
2: It might seem unusual that a former member would return to the cult that they left. However, the techniques used to assist Kirsten, what was called deprogramming at the time, had problems. According to author Madeline Landau-Tobias, cult researcher Dr. Janja Lalich, and psychologist Michael Langone, the snatching method of intervention can be traumatic on its own, and flashbacks of the experience can impede recovery.
1: The tribe flourished with little pushback and began experimenting with new recruitment methods, the most notable of which occurred at Grateful Dead concerts. Cult members drove a van decorated with Summer of Love flowers and other iconic hippie images to the concerts. Then they unrolled a flag adorned with a red cross and offered free emergency medical care to concertgoers.
2: Concert-goers who approached the van were usually young, under the influence of drugs, and looking for answers to the bigger questions in life. The 12 tribes' members preyed on their vulnerable state, promising that the community could provide them with everything they needed.
1: Spriggs didn't just pursue young people at concerts. He also tried to recruit students. When Spriggs first opened up the Yellow Delis in Chattanooga, he chose locations near college campuses. This gave him access to students who were grappling with similar existential questions.
2: Utilizing his talent for attracting this young, vulnerable demographic, Spriggs grew his church through the mid to late 1980s. In 1987, perhaps to distance themselves from the allegations of child abuse and recruit new followers, the 12 tribes renamed themselves the Messianic Communities.
1: But this wasn't enough to stop the reports of abuse. Over the next few years, disaffected former members of the tribes publicly described their experiences of being manipulated, overworked, and undernourished.
2: But by 1989, however, things quieted down for the 12 tribes. But the peace wouldn't last long, and the entire 12 tribes community was about to face a huge crisis of faith.
1: Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message.
2: This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, The jazz fan or the pasta lover from 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality tv and gaming there's something for everyone on etsy whether it's a birthday an anniversary a holiday or even just a day to say thank you gift mode on etsy has you covered need to find the perfect gift don't panic try gift mode on etsy now
0: this episode is brought to you by paramount plus
2: By 1990, Albert Spriggs' 12 tribes had weathered allegations of child abuse and emerged victorious. But that year, the community was shaken by a crisis of faith.
1: Eddie Wiseman's wife, Mary, died of uterine cancer in 1990. A former elder later explained that the cancer was curable. But given the cult's prohibition against medical care, Mary never went to the hospital.
2: Another former member reported that she was given prayer and homeopathic cures. After an extended prayer meeting, Mary was declared by one of the members to have been cured by God of her illness. She died a few days later.
1: Mary was a respected, high-ranking member of the community and was spoken of by ex-members warmly. But her death contradicted not only the prophecy that she had been healed, but the power of prayer itself.
2: After her funeral, hundreds of members from different 12 tribes communities convened to address what happened. And it seemed as though only one of two things could be possible. Either Mary had committed some sin to bring this illness on herself, or the teachings of the 12 tribes were wrong.
1: Elbert Spriggs, Eddie Wiseman, and Wiseman's two children attended the meeting. There, one of the members reported that, many years ago, Mary had warned her that Albert Spriggs could get angry. In another context, this statement would be innocuous, but the community considered this slander against Spriggs, their apostle.
2: After hearing this accusation, Eddie, Mary's now widowed husband, also had an alleged confession. When the 12 tribes had first relocated to Vermont, Mary tried to leave the cult and take the kids with her, but Eddie stopped them. To us, these stories may seem awfully convenient, but for those in attendance, these two accounts were evidence enough as to why Mary died. She had never fully committed to Yeshua, put her children above the tribe, and had spoken out against Spriggs.
1: Reportedly, Spriggs never protested the conclusions his followers reached in order to explain away Mary's death. He later wrote in a pamphlet that Mary's unconfessed sin, speaking against him, was the direct cause of her death.
2: Spriggs' cruel reframing of Mary's death encapsulates two of Lifton's thought reform principles. The first, confession, requires members to disclose their sins. This not only reinforces the distance the confessor still has to go before becoming a pure disciple to the cult, but also gives material to a group's leaders that they can exploit. The second thought reform principle, dispensing of existence, occurred when Mary was posthumously declared not a true believer. Because she was now an outsider and not a member of God's chosen people, her disease could be explained away without violating the belief that God looked after the believers of the 12 tribes.
1: Within a year of Mary's passing, Eddie married Jean Swanko, and she became the tribe's de facto legal representative. And as the cult was confronted with new accusations of child abduction, she was kept busy.
2: In 1993, the Winnipeg Sun reported on its local 12 tribes' locations revealing that three members were fugitives from North America wanted on child abduction charges.
1: A year later, a Canadian 12 Tribes member was found with his abducted son in the Santa Cruz, California community.
2: In 1994, ten years after the Island Pond raid, the 12 Tribes would find themselves on trial again in the court of public opinion.
1: A former cult member named Lori Morano Johnson appeared on The Jerry Springer Show, accusing the 12 tribes of hiding her children.
2: Johnson's ex-husband, Steve Wooten, was an active member of the cult and held on to the couple's two sons. When Johnson was awarded custody of the kids by a judge, Wooten fled with the children.
1: With the help of the 12 tribes' international network, Wooten was able to quickly get himself and his children out of the country.
2: Authorities had difficulty tracking down Wooten and the boys. Desperate for answers, Johnson hoped to appeal to the tribe's sense of decency and family and find out where her sons
1: were. But Johnson was met with vitriol. The 12 tribes' members who appeared on the show included Wiseman and Swanko. Swanko used the appearance to publicly lambaste Johnson, arguing that Johnson was an unfit mother. She accused Johnson of abandoning her children and concluded that she was simply being held accountable for her choices.
2: Swanko and others denied knowing where Wooten and the children were, but also refused to take a single step towards helping Johnson locate her missing children.
1: Johnson's cry for help and appearance on Springer brought the 12 tribes a lot of negative publicity, But the Twelve Tribes continued to deny any involvement in hiding Wooten and the two boys.
2: However, Michael Painter and James Howell, two of the leaders of the Twelve Tribes at this time, later admitted that the Twelve Tribes lied to authorities about the Wooten boys.
1: Although there were a number of prohibitions against lying in the Bible, Spriggs had a unique interpretation of the word. According to Spriggs, lying occurred when you withheld the truth from someone who deserved to know it but withholding the truth from the outside world or say government workers who were interfering with god's plan for the 12 tribes that was allowed those weren't real lies
2: by twisting the meaning of the word lie like this spriggs was likely helping reduce the cognitive dissonance his followers might experience Cognitive dissonance is a type of stress brought about when someone holds two contradictory ideas simultaneously. On the one hand, cult members were supposed to follow the Bible and tell the truth, but on the other, they were required to lie to authorities. But with Spriggs' newly invented definition of what lying entailed, he was able to reinterpret the Bible to allow his followers to abduct children and lie about their
1: whereabouts. Spriggs was a prolific writer and constantly sent letters of his newest teachings to his communities. He also published pamphlets for distribution in the neighborhoods where the communities had settled. While some of them extolled the gospel of disciplining or beating children, others were frighteningly homophobic and anti-semitic.
2: Based on the locations Spriggs mentions in his letters and pamphlets, We can surmise that he spent his time traveling between the Vermont community, the Boston community, the upstate New York community, and the French community.
1: But the French Twelve Tribes community, called the Tribe of Reuben, was having problems. In 1994, a European cult named the Order of the Solar Temple initiated a mass suicide among its members. In response, the French anti-cult organization, ADFI, began actively pushing back against the presence of cults in France, including the 12 tribes.
2: ADFI visited local markets and began distributing flyers, informing would-be buyers of the vendors and products that benefited the 12 tribes. Sales plummeted. In
1: 1997, the death of a 19-month-old baby at the tribe of Reuben made headlines. The French public was shocked. Many of them had never even heard of the Twelve Tribes before learning of the boy's demise.
2: The year-and-a-half-old child, who weighed only 10 pounds at the time of his death, had suffered from rickets and an untreated congenital heart condition. But because the doctrine of the Twelve Tribes forbade medical intervention, the child received little medical care.
1: During the investigation, French police discovered Spriggs' writings on the importance of beating children. Police and doctors immediately intervened and examined the scores of children who lived in the community, but they found no signs of child abuse.
2: The parents of the dead child, however, were sent to prison for their role in his death. They received a 12-year sentence.
1: But the American tribe soldiered on. The 12 tribes' community in Cambridge, New York, operated a farm called Common Sense, where they also manufactured all-natural body products.
2: The farm was tapped by cosmetics giant Estee Lauder to supply one of their product lines. But in 2001, when the company discovered that the 12 tribes used children in its factories, they quickly severed their relationship with the cult. New York State raised an official investigation into the tribe's utilization of underage child labor, and the tribe's community was fined $2,000 for their violations.
1: That same year, in September 2001, Eddie Wiseman's son from his first marriage, Zebulon, had an interview with the Boston Herald. Zebulon was only seven when his mother Mary Wiseman died of uterine cancer. He had been present at the meeting where Spriggs' followers determined it was because of her unconfessed sins and challenging of Spriggs' authority.
2: With so much vitriol spread about his mother, it's no surprise he wanted to leave. He defected from the cult when he was 18.
1: In the interview, Zeb described the behind-the-scenes operations of the secretive cult and explained that Spriggs is, quote, "...constantly flying around. He lives a life of luxury." End quote. Former members have also reported to the Boston Herald that Spriggs spends significant time in his palatial homes in France, Brazil, and Cape Cod.
2: Zeb Wiseman also discussed Spriggs and his wife's shopping sprees, their travel by chauffeured car, and his overall opulent lifestyle.
1: Members of the Twelve Tribes are required to donate their possessions and wealth to the religion when they join. There's a huge disparity between Spriggs' lifestyle and its congregants, something we've seen multiple times with other cult leaders we've discussed on the show.
2: But cult members demonstrated an impressive degree of denial when confronted with these facts. One current member of the Twelve Tribes insisted Spriggs couldn't be wealthy because he didn't wear jewelry or own cars. He then went on to compare Spriggs to the apostle Paul, who traveled the first century world to spread the story of Jesus. Spriggs, it appears, made it a point not to flaunt his wealth openly to keep his followers in the dark.
1: Spriggs was unhappy with Zebulon's interview, which revealed the wealth he clearly strove to hide from his members. A week after the interview was published, he held a public forum in Boston to refute what had been published about him. Spriggs also used this public forum to shine a spotlight on his church's conversion therapy, This refers to a harmful, unscientific practice which attempts to force LGBTQIA individuals to change their sexual orientation.
2: So-called reparative or conversion therapy has been soundly rejected by the medical and psychiatric community. Conversion therapy not only doesn't work, it causes depression, anxiety, and self-destructive behavior. In a statement opposing the practice, the American Psychoanalytic Association also described the practice as resulting in, quote, substantial psychological pain by reinforcing damaging internalized attitudes, end quote.
1: Spriggs additionally used the forum to double down on the importance of disciplining and homeschooling children. But Spriggs' philosophy on discipline and homeschooling continued to cause problems for the cult. In 2002, 19 members of the French community were sentenced for evasion of legal obligations of the parents, for refusing to enroll their children in school, and their failure to vaccinate their children.
2: And this wasn't the last, or the largest, scandal that the 12 tribes would face in regards to their treatment of the children in their communities.
1: Our story will continue in a moment, right after the break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viori, V-U-O-R-I slash Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Been Verified. Help chip away at the uncertainty that comes with online dating and use beenverified.com, a leading platform for online background searches and people search reports. With their powerful search tools and extensive database, you could easily gather information about potential dates, which may help you find peace of mind before taking that next step. You can never be too safe when it comes to dating. Get 20% off today to help take control of your dating game. Visit binverifiedcom slash podcast.
1: Now, the story continues.
2: In 2004, on the 20-year commemoration of the Vermont Raid, Albert Spriggs, now in his late 60s, spoke publicly about the 12 tribes' victory as well as the importance of disciplining children as part of the faith.
1: Spriggs rallied against what he called the Prozac Nation and Big Brother-type government that he believed was manufacturing false child abuse allegations against his cult.
2: He insisted that the strict discipline he advocated was important to a child's self-image and that, quote, "...love is tantamount to disciplining your children and disciplining them diligently, painstakingly." End quote.
1: He argued that the Columbine massacre occurred because Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were undisciplined. He railed against the press and modern technology for spreading what he argued were lies against him and only those who are liars at heart would believe the media's slanderous reports.
2: Sprigg's message, as illogical and offensive as it was, was an excellent example of what Lifton called sacred science. When a cult utilizes this technique, they hold a particular piece of their doctrine to be sacred and unquestionable. In this case, it was the vicious punishment that 12 tribes' members inflicted on the children. Because the abuse was intended to bring about the return of Christ, anyone speaking out against this abuse must be opposed to Spriggs' ultimate vision.
1: From this perspective, the media, ex-members of the Twelve Tribes, and the government are all enemies. Tragedies like the Columbine High School massacre become twisted examples that, according to Spriggs, represent what happens when his sacred dogma isn't followed.
2: In 2006, a couple years after the commemoration of the Vermont Raid, Spriggs bought an antebellum mansion in Hidden Knight, North Carolina. To this day, the mansion hosts the 12 tribes' international conferences. It's also the reported home base for Spriggs.
1: In 2008, James Howell, one of the three men who joined Spriggs in 1974, and another leader, Michael Painter, allowed themselves to be interviewed on why they left the cult. Painter explained that back in the 70s, Spriggs appeared to be sincere about his belief in a forgiving God, but he believed that Spriggs had evolved into a controlling leader who ruled absolutely.
2: They discussed the luxuries Spriggs allowed himself, like a television secreted away in a closet and a secret collection of expensive New Balance hiking shoes.
1: Followers had no control over any aspect of their lives, according to Howland Painter. By eliminating a member's ability to make small choices, even as small as what meal they would eat, Spriggs inserted himself in his followers' lives as their ultimate authority. His permission was required before a couple could get married, and all couples were instructed to procreate as frequently as possible.
2: This is another manifestation of thought reform, One's experiences are molded to fit in with the rest of the groups. Outside experiences must either be completely denied or reinterpreted in the guidelines of occult's belief systems.
1: James Howell conceded in his interview that the power structure of the community was directly related to Spriggs' favoritism and that he had become obsessed with his own power and renown.
2: Those who brought wealth or strategic advantage to the cult, such as a doctor or attorney, were granted high-level positions and were considered to be more spiritually pure.
1: Those who disagreed with Spriggs were removed from leadership roles, and those who wished to curry favor with their leader could do so by ratting out their fellow members who expressed doubts or the desire to leave.
2: Spiritual purity as a means of advancement within a cult is yet another example of thought reform. Spriggs justified child abuse by claiming his followers were helping their children achieve this spiritual purity.
1: But in 2013, Spriggs' encouragement of child abuse would finally come back to haunt the cult. That year, the 12 tribes was caught in a firestorm when a hidden camera investigation, led by journalist Wolfram Koenig, revealed the extent to which children were abused at their German compound.
2: Koenig, who had heard rumors of the abuse, interviewed German officials about why they hadn't intervened. The response he received was that officials required either the children to testify against their parents or direct evidence of abuse. They had neither.
1: The intrepid reporter decided to take things into his own hands. He went undercover. He grew out his hair and beard so he could pass as a member of the 12 tribes. He tried to join the community by explaining he was a paramedic suffering from a spiritual crisis. He was readily welcomed into the community and put to work.
2: Kunig wore glasses equipped with a secret camera, hoping to capture whatever evidence he could. When a pair of American elders came to visit the community and remarked on Koenig's glasses, the reporter suspected he'd been uncovered and bolted.
1: But if the Americans had actually recognized the glasses, they never acknowledged it. The reporter soon attempted to infiltrate the cult again, but left when he felt he was once again about to be discovered.
2: On his third attempt, Koenig was able to place a few remote cameras within the compound, With the help of a few former members, he was able to suss out two locations that were often used for beatings—a basement hallway beneath the compound's meeting hall and a boiler room attached to one of the cult's classrooms.
1: In the boiler room, Koenig discovered some of the sticks that were used to strike the children. With this evidence of abuse right in front of him, he quickly installed a hidden camera in each of the rooms.
2: After the cameras were installed, the reporter nervously went about his work, fearing that either he or his hidden cameras would be discovered.
1: After just two days, Koenig collected the cameras and reviewed the footage. Over the course of four hours, six adults were shown beating six children between the two rooms. They hit the children a total of 83 times with a cane.
2: He brought the footage to the head of the Youth Welfare Office in Germany, Finally armed with evidence they previously lacked, authorities acted quickly.
1: German police removed all 40 children from the community and placed them in foster homes. By the end of the year, the youngest children, who the Bavarian court had deemed least likely to be beaten, had been reunited with their biological parents. Most of the older children, however, were deemed at risk for further beatings if returned and remained with foster parents.
2: One of the elders from the community was eventually convicted for his role in beating children. He was sentenced to six months probation and fined 2,000
1: euros. Back in America, Spriggs seemed to have vanished within his North Carolina mansion. A report about child abuse and neglect in the 12 tribes, written by Children's founder Rita Swan, indicated that Spriggs was in Hiddenite, North Carolina, getting medical intervention from a doctor, something frowned upon for every other member of the Twelve Tribes.
2: In 2015, a former child member of the French community of the Twelve Tribes approached French authorities. He recounted his own experiences of being beaten to the point of gushing blood.
1: Police raided the French Twelve Tribes community and removed four of the children from the community after finding evidence of recent beatings. Ten of the adult members were arrested.
2: Since then, the French chapter has reopened and appears to currently be operating.
1: Today, the Twelve Tribes still exists. They may have changed some of their recruiting tactics, shifting their venue of choice from Grateful Dead concerts to Bob Dylan but their presence is larger than ever, with as many as 3,000 members in 50 countries.
2: Many of the 12 tribes' communities participate in an organization called the Worldwide Organization of Organic Farms, or WOOF. Hikers, travelers, and others receive food and lodging on a WOOF farm in exchange for providing labor.
1: But the farms don't disclose their affiliation with the 12 tribes until the volunteers arrive.
2: Those who have spent time on these farms report that the cult actively looks for hikers and others who they can lure to the farms. Plans are in the works to open hostels along the Appalachian Trail, a mountainous hiking path that stretches from Maine to Georgia.
1: Spriggs, on the other hand, has not been seen in public for years. We're not even sure if he's still alive. In 1994, former members of the Twelve Tribes revealed that members who died in Island Pond were buried in unmarked graves. Their deaths were not often reported to authorities. If Spriggs isn't actually holed up in North Carolina, then perhaps he's buried in one of these unmarked graves.
2: And don't forget, Spriggs was the super-apostle who had a direct connection to God. If his death were made public, any new teachings or biblical interpretations would lack the seal of ultimate authority that
1: came directly from Spriggs. On the other hand, in their interview, Howell and Painter stated that they could not imagine the 12 tribes continuing on in its current fashion if Spriggs' wife, Marcia, outlived him. So perhaps he's still alive.
2: Please keep in mind that this is speculation, but due to Spriggs' reclusive nature, It's hard to know for certain whether he is currently alive or dead, and cults do have a way of keeping secrets hidden.
1: But regardless, the 12 tribes' community seems to be soldiering on. They continue to successfully operate their businesses and yellow delis.
2: And yellow delis are still known to leave business cards in places where young adults congregate. The cult's practice of targeting young people clearly thrives to this day.
1: Thanks again for tuning into Cults.
2: If you want to listen to any previous episodes of Cults, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify or on our website parcast.com spelled p a r c a s
1: t.com. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at ParCast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network.
2: It seems simple, but it really helps our show. As always, thanks for listening. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire, Carly Madden, and Jeanette Manning. Cults is written by Sean Waugh and stars Greg Paulson and Vanessa Richardson.